Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a baseball bat hunter, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? I'm going to smash you. You're going to bean some poor baby seals or something? Look, I don't know. Baseball bats are only good for one thing, and that's murdering animals. <laughs> Dude, what well, the Brandon, did today... I sign myself up for? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've actually just entered into a cult, Nick. Uh, today we have a special <laughs> guest. We have Nick from the Tennis Pod. How you doing, Nick? Hey, I was doing great, but now I'm kind of like worried <laughs> about <laughs> all the animals out there, but... Uh, well, good. you know what, Nick? It's okay. As long as you don't moonwalk into a tr- like a bear trap or something, we won't kill you. So you're good. Uh, okay, yeah. That's we'll the humane that way to kill animals. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. I, thanks for um, being I'm here. a huge fan of your show. I listen pretty much every week, unless you do something boring. I'm just kidding. Whoa. <laughs> I, whoa, I listen whoa. to... <laughs> The boring ones are Brandon's list. My Brandon's (laughs) list. Yeah, we were going to have Brandon on, but then we were like, we can't have two Brandons. No. How how would we even? It's impossible. (laughs) I'd be like, Brandon, and then they would both say what at the same time, and I'd be like, no, no, no. Well, we don't want him on anyway, because we want people to listen to this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how are you doing this morning, Nick? Well, I don't know if the listeners realize this. I'm sure they don't, but it's 7 in the morning my time, so I want everyone out there to just... Give me a moment of appreciation for my sacrifice this morning <laughs> to get on here. But um, I am good. It's a cold, rainy day in Oklahoma. Coronavirus is still raging on, and I am ready to talk about one of my favorite childhood shows. That's great to hear. You know, I found your show a really long time ago. I think you were one of the first like podcasts that I listened to, and I always just really appreciate your show. So if listeners, if you haven't checked out Tennis Pod, it's just really fun. They uh, they do a, a top ten list and then they have to like guess what they're doing, it, it, to what's in the list, and it's just a lot of fun. I love your show. Thank you very much. And so I'll say it's ten uh, ish, and that's like the number ten one zero, and then ish. Yes. And uh, yeah, one thing that makes it different is it's not just top ten lists. Like I bring my favorite movies or favorite TV episodes, and it's usually based on like statistics. So like. What is the highest grossing movie or the most watched TV show? You know, that sort of thing. And then uh, my co-host, really, he's a sidekick host, but Brandon, uh, my Brandon, he tries to guess. And then he brings a list. I try to guess. And neither of us know what the list is ahead of time. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, we've uh, we just passed 100 episodes recently. So Ooh, no shortage of shit to listen to. And thank you. Well... You know, I'm going to ask you, Nick, normally I ask Brandon, hey, did you do anything fun this week? Because, you know, this is our time to just, like, get to, you know, catch up for the week. We don't really talk except on, you know, Messenger or whatever. But we're boring people, so we don't do anything. So did you do anything cool recently, Nick? Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to expose me as a boring person, too. Um, oh, oh, you know what? I did, friends. I did do something you said recently, not this week, but like two weeks ago. I went to uh, Zion National Park in Utah, so there's that. Oh, that's uh, awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And other than that, I've been kind of just sitting at home and editing my podcast. <laughs> like every minute of every every spare minute I have. I um, know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, Brandon, I'm not going to ask you. You probably did nothing because I didn't do anything. So, And this is the one week I, you know, robbed a bank, but whatever. Are you guys ready to start talking about some Are You Afraid of the Dark? Let's do it. Yeah, I changed my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been... <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we just got done watching The Tale of the Wisdom Glass. Hmm. I'm going to ask Nick. Nick, what did you think of this episode? Well, I was telling you um, last night, Cortland, when I was watching it, but 
you know, I've listened to your show before, uh, but when I listen, I haven't gone back and actually watched the episodes. I just kind of remember from watching them as a kid. So this was the first one I actually sat down and watched from beginning to end in like, you know, 20 years. Yeah. And it was uh, <laughs> it was a cruel reminder of like the acting quality and all that is in question. Uh, oh, yes. But, but the, and the story was like, you know, razor thin. Uh, but it was a lot of fun just from like a nostalgic standpoint and like it, it was like cheesy in the best ways too I, I loved it a lot awesome i'm glad to hear it now do you have like any memories of this episode in particular no i didn't remember this one um okay. but you know the one that always stands out not to like go off episode nope, go here but um i i'm not sure which season it is but it's the clown there's the mm-hmm. i'm sure you've covered clown. that one yeah yeah and that one i watched that when i was eight or nine years old and it gave me nightmares and i remember <laughs> i distinctly remember going into the bathroom and like throwing back the shower curtain to make sure the clown wasn't there so that's that's my biggest are you afraid of the dark memory but yeah i used to watch the show all the time as a kid haven't watched it since until last night and it was quite the treat and this episode was like <laughs> <laughs> so weird and there's so much meat on the bone to talk about today oh so true what do you think about it brandon i'm gonna say pretty much the same thing i said about forever game mm-hmm. and that this episode is really stupid <laughs> but i acknowledge that by i the way. enjoyed watching it <laughs> i acknowledge it was very stupid <laughs> but <laughs> yes I it is a it dumb episode but it is fun and i was constantly like i have no idea what's gonna happen next <laughs> so yeah i just wanted to see what was what was going on i agree it kind of i mean i'm gonna say this when we get to the part in the episode but it kind of reminded me of the labyrinth a little bit um it wishes <laughs> i mean i didn't say it was like a step-by-step recreation. you said it was better than the labyrinth <laughs> i never nick you've seen the labyrinth right uh, i mean 20 something years ago but uh <laughs> but sure <laughs> Well, here you go. Next top ten list. Top ten Jim Henson movies. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, Done. man. That'll be that'll be full of back and forth discussion and knowledge and <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You guys want to just get into this episode? This ridiculous color-filled explosion that we got going. Yeah, I have yeah. Uh, a lot of notes and quotes, so I'm ready. Perfect. So our episode begins with Megan and Vange kneeling down next to the fire, and they're they're poking it with some, some sticks. And Tucker creeps up beside them and throws down some logs. Then out of the pathway comes Quinn, who yells, All right, where is he? And Vange asks, Who? And Quinn's all, Who? Who don't I see? And Megan pipes up saying, Andy's not here yet. And Quinn says, You sure? I saw a candy wrapper on the trail. Man, <laughs> Andy just gets fat shamed all over the place. Yeah. Tucker asks what the trouble is, and Quinn tells the gang that the trouble is, is that he's going to pound that Weezer. Isn't that a band? What, what does that mean? Yeah, Weezer's a band. What does that mean in the context of an insult? It's going to have sex with the band Weezer. But I got to tell you, <laughs> th- there was so many. There's like probably 10 that I could count weird references like that. of Like weird little scent. Is that normal in these episodes? Like they say little. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Really weird like insulty names are pretty common. Yeah. And uh, I noticed, too, or I remembered when I'm watching this, like in the first minute, I realized, oh, I forgot this is a Canadian show because <laughs> I could oh, hear yes. the accents in there. And it must be a Canadian oh, yeah. thing to say that you're going to pound some Weezer. Well, I'm thinking that, uh, so my mind thinks that a Weezer is somebody that has asthma, maybe, but I don't think Andy has asthma. So, And that's also no, fucking but... terrible to say if he did have asthma. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of just awful to Andy. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, Andy kind of sucks. Let's not get. But well, hey, hey, Andy was like really sweet at the end and nice. But you didn't see Misfortune Cookie, okay? (laughs) You didn't get put through Misfortune Cookie. All right, you're right. I did not. (laughs) We cut over to Andy, who's laying behind the couch, listening to everything. One of the girls asks why, and Quinn tells them it's because Andy ratted him out. And Megan asks what Quinn did now, and Quinn starts pacing around, saying that. That's just it. Nothing. A couple of days ago, I stayed home from school sick. I had a note from my mom. Totally legit. But I lost it. Now you know no one's going to believe me that I really lost it. So I had to forge a new one. I still don't believe him. I don't either. Tucker, the follower of just all the rules, you know, he wasn't a little scamp in the past. He's like, you forged a note from your mother? (laughs) That part got me. I'm like, Tucker, shut up. That's exactly what you would have done. But Quinn stops, and he looks at him, and then he starts pacing again, saying, It's no big deal. I had a real one. I just lost it. Megan asks, So what happened? And Quinn says that he gave the note to the principal like a good little boy, but Andy was there. <laughs> and he looked at the note and says, Hey, your mother's handwriting looks a lot like yours. And is all, Uh-oh. And then we cut back to Andy behind the sofa, and he's still just listening in. And Quinn says, I could have smacked him. The principal compares my handwriting, and bam, two weeks' detention. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> Bamming, pounding, you know. Yeah, well, I was a little worried for Andy because there was, like, murderous intent in Quinn's voice. It, it did, Yeah, it was two weeks of tension. I mean, you'll live, dude. Yeah, he was no. up for blood. He wouldn't even be able to watch, like, Digimon, Pokemon. <laughs> Digital Monsters. I used to watch that every week. That's really cool. Did you used to watch it every week, Dick? Uh, I've, I've seen it, but come on. It's a poor man's Pokemon. What are we doing here? Well, you know what? Okay, sidetrack here. Pokemon wasn't on, like, with new episodes at the time, and here comes Digimon being like, hey, we got new episodes every week, kids. And I was like, all right, I'm on board. I watched Digimon until the singing Elvis monster, and I was like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) Did you guys do the cards, though? No. A little bit. No, you did Digimon cards? Yeah, for a little bit. Did you hide them from me? (laughs) It was for, like, a week. And oh. then I was like, no, I'm going back to Pokemon. Same thing happened with Yu-Gi-Oh. You, I don't remember you having Yu-Gi-Oh cards either. Yeah, I know. It was for like two days. Okay, so Megan calmly says that he didn't mean to rat you out, but Quinn says it doesn't matter. And he takes a seat at the throne, and Tucker asks if he's going to wait for him, but Quinn says, why? He's not going to show. He knows I'll deck him. And we get this fun shot of the camera behind the sofa, and Andy's on like half of the screen, and then the background is Quinn. He's on the storyteller's throne, and Quinn says, he should hear this too. It's about friends and trust. <laughs> That's how 12-year-olds talk, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or however old they are. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> They're very sophisticated, okay? Yeah. This is about disrupting the bonds of friendship. <laughs> and the when you think about it, lead. friendship's the most important thing. I thought, is Andy really going to just sit back there the entire time on his hands and knees? Yes. Like, yeah. covering his mouth so he's not like, ooh. <laughs> Megan, Vange, and Tucker get up from the ground and they sit on the couch. And Quinn continues saying that friends are the most important thing you're ever going to have. You never read on your friends. Because sooner or later, it'll come back to you. And when it does, when you need that friend the most, you'll find yourself all alone with no one to turn to. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call the story... The Tale of the Wisdom Glass. Don't ever write out your friend. Even if they are a serial killer or a rapist <laughs> or a child abductor. Don't ever rat them out. Uh, hey, it'll get back to you, and then you're dead. <laughs> yeah. That little intro that he says, I don't think it really has much to do with the story. I think it does a little bit, because the story's kind of lesson 
think about your friend and not just yourself. Yeah, I guess you're right. The, like, little teasers for the stories almost never have to do with the stories. No, they really don't. <laughs> we learned that lesson a long time ago. Yeah, I tried. I tried. <laughs> Our tale starts up with this short and sweet rockin' 90s jingle. We're inside of Game City, and there's a girl on roller skates handing out flyers. It's crazy. <laughs> I want to go to Game City. I wish we had a Game City. Have you guys ever been in a in a video or game store where... The managers following you around like, <laughs> like a puppy, and I didn't know who this guy no, was. But I'm not rich. <laughs> That's true. We zip over to this kid in a business suit, and he's grabbing games off a rack and handing them to. Well, he's a familiar balding man behind him because he's been in the show before. Um, he proceeds to just start tossing games behind him and into this guy's little shopping basket, as he says, uh, "If there's a game you can't find, I'd be happy to order it for you." And the kid gets really snotty, like, I'm sure you would. <laughs> that kid is the worst. He really is. I didn't understand what this bald guy was, though. I thought he was, like, this kid's personal shopper or something, you know? Yeah, I yeah, just thought I... he was the people who follow rich kids, and they're, like, butlers and yeah. wisdom, you know, like, life lesson dispenser. <laughs> life lesson dispenser. Man, I need one of those. But... <laughs> Uh, that I did too. I was confused at first, but it becomes clear pretty quick. He's the store manager or owner or whatever, and it's it doesn't make it less weird that he's following the kid around, like no. acting yeah, like no. his personal assistant. He is the mayor of Game City. Is what he is. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, the bald dude laughs a little while the kid throws some more games his way, and the camera kind of pans over to another kid in the store who isn't in a full business suit. And the bald guy looks at him for some reason and says, Hey, kid, enough already. And the kid, in response, says, Just looking, dude. And the bald guy tells him to look someplace else since this isn't a museum. So the kid puts a computer game box back on the shelf, and the bald guy walks over to the kid in the suit saying he doesn't trust that type. And suit kid yells, Type? That's my brother you're talking about. And that's when I got really confused. (laughs) Yeah, I'm... Yeah. And we've established that the rich kid is an asshole, too, so why does he care to save this i don't know this kid was confusing yeah yeah i I couldn't place him because he presents himself like a very typical like spoiled rich kid asshole but he's also just like really generous and caring at moments and he didn't fit the stereotype exactly but he was just kind of all over the place he kind of sucks yeah he definitely sucks like he can give away all kinds of video games. He's still a piece of shit. Bald guy's all, I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Price. I, I, but the kid interrupts him yelling, you got my father's number? Go fetch an authorization for my purchase. Go. So the bald guy just kind of stares at him. So the kid yells, go again. And then he's, he does that saying right away. Um, but I think we should meet some characters. Up first, let's talk about that bald guy. His character name is Phil, I guess. I don't think they ever say that, but it doesn't matter. And he is played by Harry Stanjowski. Well, I'm sure with a name like that, he's getting Hollywood offers left and right. He actually has a really prolific career. <laughs> okay, well, but... <laughs> All right, fine. I Take it back. I apologize, Harry. No, scanned, yeah, scanned well, off. Harry listens, so... <laughs> Let's steal your joke. Harry's a listener of the show, so... <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, he's got this... <laughs> he's got his lawyers on the phone uh, the moment this drops. <laughs> Yeah, his big Hollywood lawyers. Mm. (laughs) 
We last saw Harry in the tale of the Midnight Madness. Did you recognize him, Brandon? Yes, you'll be proud of me to know that I actually recognized someone. He was last getting nibbled on by Nosferatu himself. And I seen him, I recognized him immediately, but I was like, where the hell have I seen this man? This is like the most character actor looking actor I've ever seen. All I remembered was his like laugh, his like greasy <laughs> laugh from Midnight Madness. And I was like, where was that from? And then I where figured have it I out. seen this greasy gentleman before. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's been in a shit ton of other things from TV shows to movies to voice work and video games and cartoons. He's been in almost all of the Assassin's Creed games, Prince of Persia, Splinter Cell. He was in X-Men Days of Future Past. He's been in some French stuff. And he did voices for one of the most boring-sounding cartoons I've ever heard. It's called The Tofus, which is about vegan parents with two kids and a grandmother who try to live their lives with as little electricity as possible. Nope. That was the synopsis. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. That cartoon is not allowed to exist. Next up, we've got Tyler Kite, who plays Alan Price, the kid in the suit. And it looks like Tyler went on to do a musical career doing a song from the movie Easy A, and a bunch of songs for Degrassi, The Next Generation, from 2009 to 2013. It looks like Tyler did also play in a show called Instant Star from 05 to 08, where he played a character called Spider-Man. What? What? Yes. (laughs) He played Spider-Man? Well, he played S-P-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N. So, I don't know how to say that. So, there's Spider-Man. That's all you need to say. Okay. Spider-Man. I don't know. Whatever. The final character is, his name is Jimmy Miller. He's played by Tyler Hines. So just two Tylers on set, whatever. This Tyler went on to play Atreyu in Tales from the Neverending Story. From there, he went on to do a lot of other stuff like Warehouse 13, Saving Hope. And in 2019, he played a character named Dirks in Letterkenny, which I say like every episode. Yeah, it comes up a lot, doesn't it? It sure does. A lot of the same stuff comes yeah, up. I don't know. Canada is just one very small. There's only small... like 10 actors in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's only like 10 Canadian shows. Well, I have to say, I know these guys were just kids at the time. I mean, how old do you think these kids were when this was filmed? Like Like 11 or 12, probably. I mean, by 11 and 12, you should be not quite that shitty as actors, right? I'm pretty sure this wasn't their first thing either. Yeah. It was pretty bad on the acting front. People like Dakota Fanning and Mm -hmm. Haley Joel Osment show that there's really no excuse. Yeah. Okay. um, Uh, I think, I think... Jimmy was not so bad. Jimmy Alan, was better though. of the two. Easily. Well, Alan prob- was rough. Yeah, he was. But the problem with Jimmy was that he was supposed to be like the cool kid. You know, he'd, he'd <laughs> deliver like the cool yeah. one-liners. And every time he said like a cool one-liner, it was so lame. And I couldn't, <laughs> I like cringed so hard my face yeah, hurt. He couldn't oh. quite pull it off. No, you're right. You're not great. Let's go back to the episode. Alan looks over at Jimmy and starts walking his way, saying, such a pathetic individual. And Jimmy looks up at him, saying, thanks, dude. That was pretty cool. And Alan lifts his hand up for a handshake, saying, Alan Price. And Jimmy starts doing this crazy handshake, saying, Jimmy Miller. And Alan just kind of goes with it and then stares at him for a second before asking, so what's captured your imagination, Jimmy Miller? And Jimmy's all, huh? (laughs) Oh. And he picks up this game, saying, Something I don't have the bread for. And he hands the box to Alan, who reads Wisdom Game, The Ultimate Journey of Knowledge. No, you're fine. It's okay. I don't have the bread for this. <laughs> have you? Have either of you said that ever, like once? No. No. <laughs> but, but that's how kids from the wrong side of the tracks talk. Yeah. yeah. It's all about that bread, man. 
I vouch for Jimmy though, because video games back then were well, they're still expensive, but like computer games were like sixty bucks for some garbage shit game like wisdom game yeah especially for a game like wisdom journey of knowledge that sounds boring as shit it does why would anybody be interested in that yeah but he wants this so bad i don't know if this is like how things were back then where i mean it's still even today where like it was like a tv show or like an anime or something i don't know everybody was into card games back then okay it's probably Yu-Gi-Oh game <laughs> jimmy's like pretty cool huh and alan says indeed would you like me to buy it for you and Jimmy's shocked, saying, you serious? And Alan tells him, why not? No reason to little little money. But he gets interrupted by Phil, the bald one, yelling, surprise, your highness. Guess what? Daddy won't authorize your payment. And Alan's all, what? And Phil explains that he's already blown his allowance, and it's time he learned the value of money. Guess I'm the teacher. And Alan gets pissed, saying, yeah, well, there's obviously been a mistake here. And Phil tells him, yes, and I made it, wasting my time with you. Oh, and you, dude, are not his brother. And Jimmy runs the fuck out of there. And Alan tries to reason <laughs> with this guy, saying that they should discuss it. But the guy yells, Get out! Now! And don't come back here again! Phil sighs in relief as Alan walks out of the Eastview Mall. He gets into his limo yelling, We're moving on, Trevor! And he gets in, and then he looks down and realizes that he still has the wisdom game in his hands. And he goes to open the door to return it, but he looks down at it again and smiles. There's a part where, like, he looks down and realizes he has the game, and the acting that he does is just insane. Like, he, like, snaps, and it's really funny. He's bad. He's just like, oh, I have a game in my hand. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, you gotta sell it. But I gotta say, this is the first time we're introduced to the MVP of the episode. I'm saying it. The MVP of the episode is Trevor. Love Trevor. The limo Trevor's driver. pretty good. We cut to see Jimmy looking out the window with a sign saying something is out of stock. I think it's the Wisdom game, but there were it like is. 50 copies sitting out in Game City, so I don't know what's going on. He just goes from store to store in this town, just looking at Wisdom the game and sighing, hoping someone buys it for him. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it really is like, true. Boy, I sure wish I had the bread for this Bone Storm game. <laughs> And um, I don't know. I mean, what store is going to put the Wisdom game in, like, their storefront window? Seriously. <laughs> to, 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 this to, game's to... nothing. <laughs> I don't understand why it's sold out there, because Game City literally had, like, it was all over that rack. Canada, man. Well, Game City is a more elite kind of place. I mean, you can't just be a certain type and shop mm -hmm. in there. It's true. <laughs> I guess you're right. Alan calls out to Jimmy saying, hey, uh, Hello? Dude! And that gets Jimmy's attention, who turns around saying, Whoa, nice ride! And Alan tells him to hop in. So, Jimmy Jimmy does that. The driver just opens up the limo door for him, and in Jimmy goes. No stranger danger. He's just like, okay. And the limo driver, too, should be like, I don't know. There is some irresponsibility on his part as well in this. Agreed. Trevor? I can't be too mad at Trevor, though, because he's, he's great. <laughs> yeah. Inside the limo, Jimmy looks around saying, Whoa, this place is bigger than my room. Which it's not, because we see his room later. Jimmy's a liar. <laughs> Alan pulls out the game saying, You forgot something. And he hands it to Jimmy, who takes it saying, But I thought the geek cut you off. And Alan rolls his eyes saying, That was just a misunderstanding. Shall we go to your house and try it out? And Jimmy's like, You want to go to my house? And Alan says, Why not? Afraid I'll embarrass you in front of the neighbors? And Jimmy smiles saying, Absolutely, let's go. So off they ride, and a dope-ass little 90s jingle starts playing, and I love it. <laughs> I love the music in this show. Oh, it's great. But, you know, I have to comment on what you said a second ago about how he lied about his room size, because when he, when he said, this is bigger than my room, 
I'm expecting him to like live in like a shack, you know, like a one room shack with his whole family or something. But no, he's got a he's got a normal ass room with a computer in it, which not every twelve year old in the nineties had a computer in the room. So So true. I thought he was gonna live under the stairs like Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. So I think this kid is uh overstating his like neediness yeah. to get this game for free. Yeah. Gosh, that's a hot take for sure. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. This isn't the first time he's done this, I think. He's swindled so many rich kids. The kids get out of the limo, and Alan goes up to the driver saying, if my father calls, don't answer it. Let him sweat a little. And he looks over at a presumably homeless man and says, I feel like the prince slumming with the pauper. And the limo driver looks down and sighs a little, saying, and does that make you feel important, sir? Like, what the fuck was that? No, don't just (laughs) skim over that. (laughs) What the fuck is that? Yeah. Why is Trevor saying You're the driver. I don't know. You drive. You're not the counselor. Get out of here. That's like some... (laughs) He has a moral compass, okay? And how does that make you feel, Alan? Like, time stopped for a second when that line came out in this show, because I don't even know. It's just like the weirdest thing to say to a 12-year-old. Well, Alan tells him, yes. In fact, yes, it does. Don't cross me, Trevor. And he walks away. (laughs) It's like the, that's like uh, top 20 weirdest scenes I've ever seen in anything like <laughs> that, that like 60 seconds there. I'm going to introduce Trevor real quick. He has been in the show before. He was in the tale of the Quicksilver and Door Unlocked. It's Ivan Smith. It's who? Um, he was the dad in Quicksilver and he was like a teacher in Door Unlocked. Okay, so nobody important. No, but we covered both of his works in those episodes, so I don't think we really need to touch on him. Um, he, he has a really big career too, though, Nick. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I guess big career is uh, open to interpretation. He's been in a lot of stuff versus he's Tom Cruise or something. So <laughs> Yeah, he was probably in like The Lowest Hobo, Nico the Unicorn, you know. Uh, oh, and Arthur, I'm sure. So we cut to a hand inserting the Wisdom game into a CD drive of a computer. And the computer sucks that game in. And we see we're inside Jimmy's room, which is decorated with just a bunch of hockey stuff. Because of course it is. In the background, Alan picks up a hockey stick, and Jimmy sees it asking if Alan likes hockey, and adding in that him and his dad go to a ton of games. So Alan looks at him saying, I wouldn't know, my father's always too busy. Jimmy throws down some instruction booklet for Wisdom Games saying, too bad, and then he boops the enter key on his keyboard a couple of times, and Wisdom Games starts What does the instruction booklet for Wisdom look like? It's probably like, insert- just like, step one, put your name in, step two, buy a new computer? yeah i don't know it was pretty thick instruction manual so i don't know (laughs) alan sits down asking if jimmy's sure his shit computer can actually run this game and jimmy's all i hope then a box appears in the game and jimmy gets excited saying that the game brought them online so it's an mmo doesn't the game need to ask your permission before you get online? Isn't that like a standard? No, this is 1999. Okay. No, this is the Wild West. <laughs> yeah. Wild West of uh, Toronto or wherever the hell. <laughs> Barbie.com was like first ass dad or mom. Wisdom game is like, enter in your name, boys. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He enters in both their names, first and last, and hits enter. And Alan asks why it did that. And Jimmy's all, I had to register our names. Is that a problem? And Alan tells him, uh, no, no problem. And, you know, okay, he stole this game, so he's worried that, like, his name being on this game is, you know, incriminating him, which, 
Uh, spoilers, that's how it ends up being, but I didn't really understand yeah. what he was so I'm worried about. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I didn't get it because it comes up again later. Yeah. And I was thinking like, oh, this is mysterious. Why is he so cagey about his name being out there? And I thought like he was going to be living under a false name or <laughs> something crazy. His witness protection program, but no, he no. thinks this game can just track him based on his name alone. Yeah. Which it can, so he's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was in the same boat, Brandon. I was thinking, okay, he's this is not his real name. Something's up here. But no, it's like the most no. illogical, boring alternative is true, which is that <laughs> that the game knows by his name alone that he stole the game that very day. I think it's stupid too, but like it's kind of how a child would think. Like a twelve year old would tell a story, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, whatever. <laughs> The screen on the computer transitions saying that there's a card tournament for up to $10,000 on Saturday, November 25th at 5 Wisdom Park. And Jimmy's all, sweet, we registered just in time. Because it turns out tomorrow's November 25th. This game uh, just came out, man. Well, and, and not only that, but what the hell does it have to do with a card tournament? I don't know. We'll never know. There's some beeping noises and the kids look over to see that a color picture has been printed out of Jimmy's printer, which probably used up all of his ink. And Alan asks why he's printing, and Jimmy says that he's not. And he gets up and he picks up the paper and their directions to the tournament. A fizzled noise or something happens on the computer, and the game screen explodes away, and the CD drive opens up, and then eyes flash across the screen, and the computer just dies. What you just described is exactly what happened, but I'm still kind of figuring it out. Like, what are the eyes? Is that supposed to imply that they're being watched? I think so, yeah. Are the eyes watching everybody that plays this game just hoping to find the one in a thousand kids that steal the game? I think that it's just watching them because they stole it. All right, it's I'm weird. sorry. I, I forget that I <laughs> I need to not... I need to uh, tamper my standards and expectations for this 90s Canadian... Uh, by the way, this show is too heavy and too dark for Nickelodeon, don't you think? It, it used to play in like the middle of the day on Nickelodeon. It did. A lot of... You know what? So we've gone back and we've seen five and a half seasons so far, and a lot of the episodes aren't super dark. This one wasn't too bad, yeah, but like the clown one I mentioned earlier is too scary for four o'clock on a Thursday. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, because it's like, you know, six hours before that was fucking Gullah Gullah Island and um, <laughs> Out of the Box and Blue's Clues, and then, and I know that's Nick Jr., but still, it's like the same channel, and then, I don't know. I'm sure you guys have kind of touched on that before. Well, Brandon didn't even have Nickelodeon growing up, so he never got to really experience the Gullah Gullah Island. <laughs> oh, man. Missing out. Uh-huh. Binya Binya, he stole those fucking cookies. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Binya Binya. <laughs> the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> A giant-ass man, man-sized yellow frog that lived... <laughs> Lived with okay. <laughs> All right. Let's stop talking about Are You Afraid of the Dark? The show has a new purpose. So, Jimmy kind of pushes some buttons here and there, and Alan's all, I can't believe it just killed your computer. And I can't either. I'd be so mad. Jimmy looks at him saying, Who cares? I say we go to the tournament. If we win, we can split the cash, and that can buy me any computer I want. So, you up for it? And Alan thinks about it for a microsecond and says, Yes. Yes, I am. And the two kids he shake hasn't hands even again. Played this game. That's thank you. 
thank you. I'm like, you don't even know how to play. You don't even know what it is. And even you never if you, even had a chance. Yeah. Maybe Jimmy is a wisdom game master, okay? Maybe that's why he's interested in buying it. The camera zooms past their handshake, and it goes up into that paper that was printed out. And then we cut, and we're looking over a farmer's field of wheat that's blowing in the wind. A limo drives up, and we cut inside, and Trevor tells the kids, well, that's the place according to this, and he raises up the paper that was printed. And Jimmy gets excited, saying, let's go check it out. But Alan kind of stops him and then looks at Trevor, saying, all right, Trevor, wait here and don't fall asleep. And Trevor yawns, and the kids get out of the limo. Trevor's the MVP. They walk down the road and up to an outhouse-looking building. It's got a big neon W sign on it, so you know it is legit. Alan (laughs) thinks that this place is weird for a car tournament, which is so true. But they open Mm -hmm. up the door, and they walk inside, and then they walk down some stairs, which leads to a big hallway with another neon W at the end. They round a corner, and they find something straight out of the ballroom dancing scene in the labyrinth. Okay, now I Uh, feel... I just cringed a little when I said that, now that I realize how it doesn't look like Labyrinth at all. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, the scene looked like it was directed by Stanley Kubrick and Eyes Wide Shut, and there was about to be a fucking sex party yeah. with the... Have you yes. guys seen that movie? I'm glad that that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> I have not seen that movie. Um, and it came out like a year after this episode aired, so like... Hmm. I'm wondering Curious who inspired timing. who, but anybody that's seen Eyes Wide Shut, I guarantee you if you've seen Eyes Wide Shut, this scene reminded you of it. It was very similar. There's a bunch of people in different colored robes. They all have masks covering their faces. Some of them are at tables playing cards, I guess. It's just really weird. Jimmy looks at Alan saying, whoa, it's like the game came alive. <laughs> How do you know, dude? <laughs> <laughs> We look at the card players, and they're just slowly putting down weird CD-looking cards. <laughs> they're all circular. Um, Alan thinks that this shit is fascinating, and they look and see this girl just glide across the floor. Um, there's some medieval music playing, and she's all in white and has long blonde hair. She turns her head around, and we see that she does not have any eyes. <gasps> Jimmy's like, whoa. Which isn't what I would say. I would be like, all right, we got to go. Yeah, and, and not just the eyes, but she just hovered all the way she, over. Yeah. yeah. She just glides. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, she's on a dolly, but. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the camera doesn't show it, but even Jimmy and Alan realize, oh, yeah, she's just sliding on a, a gliding on a dolly. <laughs> it's at that point that you think that, you know, maybe this tournament in a dungeon underneath an outhouse in the middle of a field may not be mm. on the up and up. And there's not a single other child there either, <laughs> which is another huge red flag for them. Yeah. Hmm. Starting to see what you guys are seeing now, because I was all in at this point. <laughs> yeah, no. you were just like, woo, Labyrinth, this is fun. <laughs> hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your limo driver. Thank you for taking a listen to our show, whether you're a longtime fan or this is your first episode. We always appreciate you listening in. Are you looking to support our show and get access to tons of bonus content? Visit patreon.com slash private island today and become a patron for as little as $1 a month. And you'll get instant access to early ad-free episodes the moment I finish editing them. The higher the tier, the more rewards you'll get, including bloopers and outtakes for each episode, bonus episodes like our Quick Frights and exclusive improv episode, and so much more. All donations go right back into the show and help us make the best podcast that we can make. 
I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Heather, Eddie, Mia, and Tristan, the Silver Goth, Shane, Steven, Matt, and Kaylee, the Golden Day Days, Bryce, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bustics, Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you so much, everyone. Our show would not be the same without your support. Be on the lookout this week for an all-new Quick Frights for our $3 and up patrons. If you haven't yet, give us a follow on social media. We create a bunch of content every week, including GIFs, memes, videos, and so much more. We've been abridging and condensing entire episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark Down into one hilarious joke-filled minute that you are going to love. So check it out today at Private Island Presents on Instagram and at PRVT Island on Twitter. For a link to all of our socials and more, check out the episode description. We're coming up on our Season 6 review episode super quick. If you want to be featured in our episode, then ask us anything. We'll answer your question in the show. You can send us your question through any of our social media accounts or through email. That's privateislandpresents at gmail.com. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Star from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Now I'd like to play the promo for Nick's podcast, The Tennis Pod. Hi, my name is Nick. I'm Brandon. We are the hosts of the Tennis Podcast, where every week we cover a different top tennis list. We cover lists such as the highest grossing films of all time, the best selling musicians of all time, the the sexiest mogwais, the richest leprechauns, the all this and more we cover on the Tennis Podcast. I had more. You can find us on all podcast players, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. All you got to do is search for 10ISH podcast. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TennisPod. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again for joining us this week. I'll let you get back to the show. Bye, everyone. So this lady, she puts a finger up to her lips and shushes the boy saying that you must heed the rules of wisdom. And she glides over to them with two brown coats in her hand saying respect, integrity, and honesty. I am the keeper and you are newborns who must dress accordingly. Alan looks at that garbage saying brown isn't really my color. Yeah, this is a cult. Fuck you, Alan. That's that. <laughs> that's what you're worried about? The girl doesn't say anything to him and the boys take off their coats and put on the brown coats. And the keeper asks for the boys' names saying that she'll confirm their registration. And Alan's all, registration? <laughs> Jimmy says, Alan Price and Jimmy Miller. And the keeper turns her head and glides away, and Alan looks at Jimmy asking why they needed their names. And Jimmy's like, to make sure we are who we are. And the keeper goes up to this globe that turns yellow, and she's got this disco ball in her hands, and she's pushing on the parts of it and spinning it around. I guess she's entering in their names with this disco ball? Mm-hmm. Don't try to make sense of it, because no, nothing from here on out makes sense. It's what the prop department had. <laughs> this must have been the episode that they shot last, where they were running out of money. I don't know. Alan says, maybe coming here wasn't such a good idea. But Jimmy tells them to chill, and everything's going to be great. We cut back over to the Keeper in the Globe, and Jimmy and Alan's names appear on it, and then it turns red and starts making alarm noises. And Alan tells Jimmy that they should get out of there. And the Keeper yells, Now I see the truth! And she turns her head, and she has eyes now, and they're red, and she says, The newborns! Get them! And she fucking zips over to these kids. <laughs> so, it actually looked pretty cool. And she run the, the kids run the fuck out of there. They run down the hallway, and they start getting chased by two guys in black and white. Another two dudes in black and white appear in front of them, 
They grab the kids, and Alan yells, let me go, get off of me. And then up pops the keeper who says, we have been waiting for you. Are her eyes the one from the computer? I think so. Were they red? I can't remember. I don't know. I think they were white, like black and white. But, you know, um, even to this point when she says, I see the truth, I'm thinking something grander than just he stole the game still. But that's it. He stole the $60 game. He didn't pay the $59.99. The kids get dragged to a dark room with chairs all around, and Alan yells about how this isn't part of the game, and they get placed, which he wouldn't know. (laughs) Jimmy's the one that would know. But anyway, they get placed by a metal rail, and we look past them and see a light appear, and there's a dude in a judge's wig sitting at a table. And he says, this is no game. You are here to defend yourselves. And the camera pans past the boys and lights up, and we see some masked people sitting on a jury stand. And they got robes on in different colors of the rainbow. The judge says, and if guilty, you will pay for your crime. And Jimmy says, crime? What crime? From behind them glides the keeper whose face has no eyes again. And she says, the crime of stealing wisdom. And the boys look back up at the judge who smiles. That judge was scary as fuck. I'm just going to say it. Did you guys think so too? With his mask? Yeah. Yeah. He was creepy. I liked him. I didn't know we were going to be getting the Law and Order episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Came out of nowhere. I mean, I know we keep saying it, but this is so weird. This is such a trip. This is weirder than like some modern day horror films I've seen of like, just like, if you're listening and you haven't watched it, you really should go back and watch it because we're not doing it justice to how weird it is. It is. We have a new character though. The Keeper is played by Danette McKay. She's been in a lot of things too, but nothing I really recognized. Um, She was in a movie called Witchboard 3, The Possession, which... Let's be frank, guys, sounds incredible. Witchboard? Witchboard 3, The Possession, Brandon. Is that like a supernatural surfing movie? No, <sighs> it's a Ouija board. Oh. oh, that's way less interesting. Whatever. She was also in Hysteria, The Deaf Leopard Story. I've never heard of that. Me neither. Like I said, I didn't know, I didn't recognize like anything she was actually in, so I just kind of picked two that sounded like they might be something somebody's heard of. Nope. <sighs> nope. Just her. I failed. Well, whatever. Now we look and we see Jimmy and Alan in a big old cage. And Jimmy's pacing back and forth, and he turns to Alan, asking why they think they stole the game. And Alan, who's just looking out from the bar, says, I wouldn't know. Alan sucks. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Jimmy tells him that Alan's got to make those creeps understand that they're making a big mistake. And Alan asks, why him? And Jimmy says, it's because they'll believe you. Alan looks honest, and Jimmy looks like, well, someone who'd steal stuff. Alan thinks that's ridiculous, but Jimmy says, it's true. Anytime I go into a store, people watch me. They think I'm going to pinch something. Like chocolate-covered blueberries, right, Brandon? Jimmy says that gets old, and Alan tells him, yeah, well, that doesn't matter. They can't prove that we stole the game. We'll be out of here in no time. And the kids do another super awesome handshake, and then we cut to a gavel smashing down, and the judge yelling, order in the court. Alan stands up, yelling, you can't put us on trial. I insist on calling my father. And the judge tells him that we can and we will. And that shuts Alan up, so he sits back down. And the judge tells the kids they are in wisdom now, and their way of doing things is their own. And he looks out over the courtroom, asking where is the defendant's counsel. And from behind the kids pops up a court jester who says, Unfortunate case as I may be, your case is fortunate to be with me. And he smiles at the boys, and Jimmy's all like, What? And Alan cocks his thumb at this dude saying, he's not a lawyer, he's a clown. Give us someone with credentials. And the jester walks away saying, credentials utensils. Let's all use pencils. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. And he lifts up a stack of papers and he starts writing on them with a pencil. 
the jester was enough for me to almost turn the show off and message you and be like, I can't. <laughs> sorry, guys. Can't be on pod. <laughs> I hated the jester. The, the lawyer, clown, whatever you want to call I him. I kind of like Alan him. yells that he's a nut job, and the judge tells him that he's your nut job. Bring forth the wisdom glass. The Jester is played by somebody who's also been in this show a couple of times before. His name's Arthur Holden, and he played Ichabod Crane in The Midnight Ride. And he played <sighs> yes, he did. somebody named Mr. Brooks in Dead Man's Float. I don't remember that character. Aside from that, he's been in about a billion other things. But that's all the characters for this episode, so let's finish this up. So two dudes walk up the aisle with a ball on a pillow, and the jury bow their heads, and then they deliver the wisdom glass to the judge, who sets it up on a podium saying, the oracle of ultimate truth, the wisdom glass. They have this wisdom glass that speaks ultimate truth and is infallible. Just ask it, are they guilty or not? That's what I thought Just they were going to do. be done with do. this whole trial. Yeah. I thought they were going to do that, because spoilers, this wisdom glass is actually just a magic eight ball, kind of. Yeah. Just be like, did they steal this shit? Yes. All right. Off with their heads then. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's not what happens. We have to wait. This is, we're only like halfway done with the episode, so. <laughs> Lord. No, no. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Alan yells, my father's a lawyer. I demand you call him right now. And the judge picks up the wisdom glass, which glows orange. And he says, the wisdom glass says, and then the words request an eye roll up on it. And the judge says that. And the jester says it, denied a bride and you might get fried. <sighs> He's so bad at rhyming. Mm. Jimmy complains that they're sunk, and Alan says, we got the right to represent ourselves. You're fired. And he points at the jester, who says, hired, fired, I'm getting tired. And he lays his head on the stack of papers and goes to sleep. And the judge denies that request, saying that their counsel stays. And the jester perks back up with a smile, and Alan says, this is insane. And the gavel smashes down, startling the jury, and the judge yells, not another word. Now let us proceed. And the judge looks like he's about to go celebrate the purge. Sure does. (laughs) We cut, and now the keeper is gliding across the room saying, Everyone knows wisdom is something that one acquires. It cannot be bought, borrowed, or stolen. Admit that you stole the game. And she points at Alan, who's alone on the bench. And we look behind him, we see Jimmy and the jester sitting behind him. And Alan says, I told you a thousand times, I didn't steal it. The jester stands up yelling, I object. My client said that. And he looks through a stack of multicolored papers saying, Six times, not a thousand. Which is pretty funny. I like that part. Mm. I liked that. I've said my piece on the jester. <laughs> he objected to his own client. How can you not love that? <laughs> uh, okay, of everything he did in the episode, that's the second best thing he did. The best things at the I end. I agree, I agree. Alan glares at him saying, you can't object to me. And the judge overrules that shit and the jester sits back down. The keeper then says, how can you say that even once when we have indisputable proof to the contrary? And Alan says, proof? What proof? And the keeper points her finger past the judge, and a light shines, and we see Phil sitting in a chair. So they just kidnapped this man. What the fuck? And Alan looks down saying, uh-oh. Yeah, this is a cult. It is. If it's not already, like, ex- exceedingly clear, this is a cult. For sure. Phil points at Jimmy saying, that's him. Yeah, I never forget a face. He was looking at the game, and then he ran off out of the store. <laughs> wow, great accent. Thank you, I try. He brings out the, you know, jersey in me. I went back to the shelf and it was gone. And Jimmy looks like he's going to cry. And Phil just kind of looks around saying, um, where are we? It's a good question. I'm really curious, like, how they got Phil there and what happens to him after they're done. They don't explain it at all. He just kind of disappears. They just dump him off on the side of the road. I got to kill him. Don't talk about anything you've seen in this weirdo cult dungeon. Well, and are we going to discuss how... 
they're doing this whole trial and they bring in a witness to testify against Jimmy. But they already know the truth because the name in the crystal ball like 10 minutes ago was it was you know it said Alan was the truth, remember? They're like yeah. I think they're just bored. <laughs> they're they like must, this yeah, card game just... sucks. <laughs> Let's kill some kids. <laughs> it broke yeah. our computer. Let's do something else. <laughs> I have no idea. It's like LARPing or something, though. Like, these people... Let's assume that these are just people, and I don't know, that girl can glide and doesn't have any eyes because she's really good at cosplaying. Like, they're just cosplaying a computer game. Like, like these are like EverQuest cosplayers, and it's just really weird. Yep. That's the theme of the episode. Weird. Jimmy gets up yelling, No way! I didn't steal it! Alan, say something! And Alan blinks for a second, then turns and points at Jimmy yelling, He did! Oh, fuck. And the jury all gasp, and Jimmy's like, dude. (laughs) I loved it. Alan looks at the judge saying, he told Jimmy not to, but he wouldn't listen. And the gavel gets smashed a couple of times as the jury's all whispering (laughs) to each other, and the judge thinks that this is most unusual. Oh, really? This is most unusual, asshole? But also, (laughs) fuck that kid. (laughs) I hate him. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. He, He goes from bad to worse here. I loved it though. Like the surprise in this, the the fr- audacity. Yeah, the surprises yep. in this episode are really funny though. I like it. Yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns for sure. It's just like he did it. Like wow, fuck you. <laughs> I tried to stop him. I begged and pleaded with him. <laughs> Alan looks back at Jimmy as the judge says that he must consult a higher power, and he grabs a wisdom glass, saying, "The wisdom glass says it's time for lunch." And from behind Alan, the jester smiles. We cut to the jury, and they all have, like, a lunchbox that has the same color as their robes on it. And they open it up. And we cut back over to the judge with an egg in his hand, and he tells some dude to take the kids away because they're spoiling his appetite. And Alan looks back at Jimmy, who looks grumpy. I did like that little, like, 30 seconds there. Yeah, that was pretty great. Now, at this point, this episode reminded me of the SpongeBob episode with the magic conch shell, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Which um, is probably my favorite SpongeBob episode. Shit, guys, we need to start a SpongeBob podcast. Back in the cage, Jimmy's sitting down and he says, what's the deal? I thought we were friends. And Alan, who's also sitting down behind Jimmy, says, look, it was me, all right? I stole the stupid game. And Jimmy asks why, since Alan is, like, rich. And Alan tells him, well, you saw the guy in the store. He made me look foolish. And no one makes me look foolish. And Jimmy stands up saying, yeah, he really got you back good. And now you're making me look bad. You're a real piece of work. You know that? And Alan, (laughs) who's also standing up now, looks at Jimmy and he says, I understand why you're angry and I'm sorry. You have to see my dilemma. He says, sorry. Mm -hmm. I know. And he says a boot. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) A boot. I'm a 4-0 student, top of my class. My father has big plans for me. And if he finds out about all this, I could lose all that. And Jimmy's like, and it doesn't matter if I take the heat because I'm just a big loser, right? And Alan looks at him saying, Jimmy, look, I need you to plead guilty. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And Jimmy gets pissed this saying, is... you want me to take the rap for you? And Alan pleads saying that he'll give him anything and to name his price. So Jimmy just looks at him and says, you know, all your money and your limo and your fancy clothes, they don't mean squat to me. The way you stood up for me in that store, that was pretty cool. So for that, I'll do it. And Alan's all, yes, thank you. I mean, that was kind of cool of him, but it ain't that cool. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, Jimmy is a fool because he could have had anything he wanted in the whole world. <laughs> and instead, he just 
Yeah, I don't know. Don't you? Okay. Weak Jimmy. So, Alan essentially destroyed his computer. He would at least owe him a computer, like, no questions asked. Don't you think? Yeah. Not to go way back, but why didn't Alan just say, let's go to my house and play this game? I assume he doesn't have a computer. There's no way he doesn't have a computer. What was he doing in Game City then, tossing all those computer games in? Yeah. Because he has a Super Nintendo and an N64, but he doesn't have a computer. Nope. I'm not Not buying buying that. (laughs) Yeah. But... Um, He's a console gamer, not a PC gamer. <laughs> not buying it. But Jimmy, uh, back at the current scene, Jimmy is like terrible negotiator. Oh, well, I can have anything I want, huh? And you broke my computer, huh? And we're here because of you, huh? And I'm guilty because of you, huh? Okay, well, it was pretty cool how you stood up for me in that video store. Yeah. So I'll take the fall for you. You prevented me from getting kicked out of a game store for like 17 seconds. So <laughs> I owe a well, life debt. I thought he was going to say, it was really cool when you stood up to the the game store guy. Why didn't you do it now? But that's not what happened. No. We come back to the judge with his wisdom glass, and he says, and what is it you have to tell the court, young man? And Jimmy's at the stand, and he looks back at Alan, then back at the judge, and says, it was me. I stole the game. And the jury all gasp. And the jester gets up saying, the work is done. Time for fun. And he throws down a couple of jacks on the table. Or on his paper. I thought that was going to be important because the camera zooms in on the jacks falling down, but they aren't at all. It's nope. really disappointing. The judge yells, silence, you fool. The accused have confessed. Do you have anything to say before I pass sentence? And Alan looks at Jimmy and then says, go easy on him. And the judge sighs saying, you are free to go. So Alan stands up saying, don't worry, you'll be fine. And he gets ushered away by um, some of those black and white guys. And the judge tells Jimmy... There are many possible sentences we could hand down for you for committing this terrible crime. We could ask for you to pay for the game. We could ask you to write a 10,000-word essay on the evils of stealing. Or you may even be sent free with a warning. And Jimmy says, okay, so what's it going to be? The judge tells him that it will be determined by the wisdom glass. And he lifts the glass up off the little pedestal and looks into it. And the jury turns their heads and the judge says, Jimmy Miller, for having stolen wisdom, you are to be immediately executed. (laughs) And it gets dark quick. Yeah, it sure does. (laughs) That's not an appropriate punishment at all. No, (laughs) that game was like 60 bucks. Okay, like if they took one of his hands. Okay. I can see where you're coming from there, at least. Mm. But, man. Nope, straight to kill on a kid. Just just right to execution. Mm-hmm. And not not just execution, but beheading. <laughs> beheading execution with an old yes. school... Right there uh, in the courtroom. Yeah. It's, so, mm-hmm. it's so brutal, I love it. <laughs> no final meal, no nothing. No appeals. No appeal courts. <laughs> we zoom to Jimmy's face, and he looks absolutely disgusted, saying, What? And the judge is like, the wisdom glass is spoken. And we look at the blade of a guillotine, and it's lifted up. And some guy lifts Jimmy up and brings him over to it as the judge says that court is adjourned. And Jimmy screams for him to wait. And, and you know, they can't do that, which they can't. And then the blade falls down and cuts a watermelon in half. Yeah, why? <laughs> why did that happen? Just to show that it can cut a watermelon. I don't. Otherwise, you wouldn't know that guillotines are dangerous. And now someone's got to clean up the fucking watermelon everywhere. (laughs) The jester ain't doing shit. Yeah, have the jester do it. Outside, Alan gets pushed to the ground, and it's dark outside now, so I guess they've been in there for a while. 
and he runs away and back inside Jimmy yells that they can't execute him for stealing a game and the keeper glides over saying but we can in the world of wisdom stealing is a capital offense and the jester walks around saying bad mistake bad mistake too much at stake for a bad mistake Mm-mm. which isn't right it's not rhyming but the executioner in black calls Jimmy on over while he yells that they can't do this back with Alan he gets in his limo and he yells at Trevor to roll out and Trevor asks where his friend is, and Alan's like, we had an argument, and he's not my friend anymore. Let's go. And Trevor tells him, that's too bad, and asks Alan what he should do with these. And he's got two <laughs> tickets in his hand, and Alan asks what they are, and Trevor tells him that they're tickets to the hockey game tonight, and that Jimmy asked him to hold on to them. So Alan grabs him, saying that he got his tickets for a hockey game? And Trevor's all, well, he said you'd never been, and he wanted to return the favor for the computer game. What an ambitious day Jimmy planned. I, For real. I have so many questions, but finish this scene out real quick. Well, I like the part where he's like, fuck you, Dad. Give me those tickets. <laughs> Take well, yeah. Friend. Yeah, and hang on. Does Alan know that Jimmy's being executed? No, that? he doesn't. Okay. Well, he knows it's possible, at least. He knows that Jimmy's left there stranded. He probably doesn't think they're going to kill him. <laughs> Still, it's real shitty. And what what turns him around on this is the prospect of free hockey game. He has a change of heart. He realizes that Jimmy wants to be his friend. If it wasn't for those tickets, he would have drove off and Jimmy would have been beheaded. Jimmy's supposed to be like this Aladdin-like street rat, but he somehow has free tickets to the hockey game. The only explanation is that his dad got them and Jimmy was like, no, dad. I don't want to take you anymore. I want to take oh, yeah. Alan. There's this guy I met three hours ago. I'm going to take <laughs> him instead. He bought me a video game, I think. <laughs> you know how I ruined my computer yesterday? Yeah, that kid. <laughs> well, can we talk about Trevor has like the sweetest, nicest voice ever? And he's like so kind sounding. <laughs> and I was just like in love with Trevor in this scene. That's the buttery but... smooth uh, Ivan Smith, man. <laughs> Are you afraid of the and... dark legend? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even said the best line of the whole show yet, which is coming up next out of Trevor's mouth. Let's get there. We come back to the courtroom, and the keeper glides around. Two goons put Jimmy to a bench, and he's yelling about how they can't do this because he didn't even steal the game. Back with Alan, Trevor guilts him more, saying, It's a shame since Jimmy really liked him for something other than his money. Oh, well. Alan tells him, wait. Where did they get these? this driver? <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like, <laughs> remember at the beginning, he asked if it makes... Alan feel important. And now he says, he really seemed to like you for reasons other than your money. <laughs> it's like it's like throwing shade at the same time. As, That's what he got hired for. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that Tra- Alan's dad is in on all this shit. Yeah, no, that's a good theory. Alan hands the tickets back to Trevor, and then we zoom back to Jimmy, and he's getting prepared to get his head chopped off. And he looks up saying, this is a joke, right? And then Alan makes his way down the stairs. And he looks around, and then he runs down the hallway. With Jimmy, he's like, this can't be real. And Alan runs down the hallway some more, and then the guillotine blade raises up, and Jimmy watches it, and the jester puts his hand over his eyes, and the jury all look on in anticipation. Before they let go and the blade comes down, Alan runs in screaming, Stop! Jimmy didn't do what I did. I asked him to lie for me. I'm the one who took the game. And and then he looks over at Jimmy about to get it murdered, and he goes, Whoa, what are you going to do to him? The judge stands up saying, are you confessing now? And Alan's all, I didn't mean to steal it. I just ran out of the store and it was in my hand. Everyone just silently looks at him and the judge says, release the prisoner. 
and the jury cheers and, and Alan smiles and Jimmy runs down and does that sweet handshake with Alan who apologizes and the judge then says what you did was very brave young man it seems you've learned what wisdom is all about and Alan smiles and he nods his head and then the judge points at him saying now execute him <laughs> yes please <laughs> And you, you skipped over a part there because when Jimmy is released and he runs over to Alan and Alan says, you know, something along the lines of, I'm sorry, man. And Jimmy says, it's cool, dude. And they shake hands. <laughs> it's not fucking cool, no, dude. So true. He yeah. almost got your head chopped off <laughs> like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> it isn't cool. Nick, if you did that to me, I'd be really, I'd be really peeved. Yeah. I'd expect you to be peeved. <laughs> So the boys scream, what? And the judge says, the judgment of the wisdom glass must be carried out. And the two goons grab Alan, and the judge bangs his gavel, saying, court is adjourned. And Alan screams for Jimmy to help him, so Jimmy runs up to the judge and grabs the wisdom glass from the pedestal, saying, let him go or I'll smash it. And the keeper yells, no. And the judge, he's like, no, you can't do that. And the jester looks on, and everyone just kind of freezes. And the judge tells them to release the boy. And Alan runs up to Jimmy and says, Now, everybody be cool, and the wisdom thingy is safe. And the goons try to walk up on the kids, but Jimmy turns to yell at them, Hey, I'll smash it! So they stop. And the kids slowly back up out of the room, and then they just run out of there. And the goons follow them down the hallway, and they get to the stairs, and there's two more goons, and the keeper is there. And the jester runs up from behind them, and then he stops down the hallway. So they're like cornered right now yeah this whole thing's very final wish yeah i thought like i'm gonna smash your magical artifact and they're like no Mm -hmm. yeah so true it's so easy too like he just takes it and then they're all like helpless all of a sudden (laughs) this is their life this is the magic conch (laughs) where else are they gonna get another magic eight ball yeah we look at the keeper again who now has red eyes and jimmy says you want this so bad then go get it And he lobs it down the hall. He, like, rolls it like a bowling ball. And it Mm. rolls towards the jester. This keeper screams, no, again. And then starts gliding towards it as it rolls. And the boys run up the stairs. And the jester picks up the glass. And the keeper gives a huge sigh of relief. And the jester's all, see, I'm no fool. And he raises the glass up with one hand. And it falls to the ground and shatters. And the keeper screams. And we cut to the limo where the boys jump in and scream for Trevor to get them the hell out of there so the jester he kind of redeemed himself a little bit here for me yeah because it was such a hapless (laughs) like you know happy-go-lucky idiot move to to break the to shatter the the wisdom uh what is it wisdom ball (laughs) i'm just glad it got shattered i thought it was funny (laughs) yeah no i loved it trevor looks back at them and the boys take a moment to talk about how awesome they were and then alan looks at trevor yelling trevor why aren't we moving And he turns his head around, and he's got the judge's mask on, saying, the judgment of the wisdom class must be carried out. And the doors lock, and and Trevor yells, court is adjourned. And he bangs his gavel on the the soft leather of the limo. (laughs) And the kids try to open up the doors, but they can't. And then they look out the back window and scream as the limo drives towards the outhouse with the Nian W. And that's the end of the episode. So Trevor played the judge and the trevor <laughs> but first of all he locks the doors but they could just open the doors and oh get yeah because yeah and the limo's not driving super fast so no. that was definitely an option what's he gonna do Number drive two, the limo down the stairs <laughs> yeah um and two was trevor so it's implied that trevor was the judge the whole time right yes yeah doesn't he have different like skin tone than the judge before 
or am I, maybe it's just the lighting and the limo, but I thought the same thing. I think it is the lighting and you can only see the chin of the judge, I think. So, yeah, I don't know my, my thought. And I actually watched the ending of this episode again before we started recording was how is the judge in two different places at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a part where the judge stands up after Alan leaves the courtroom but before the watermelon, I think, gets cut in half, the judge stands up. So I think he, like, went out a back way to get back up in the limo. So much work for nothing. Yeah, because he's back down there when Alan bursts in there. So I don't know. It's kind of stupid. It's stupid. Uh, but it's I do stupid. love how they both get executed in the end. Yeah, both it. of those kids are dead. <laughs> ah, whatever. They can make it out of a fucking limo and run away into the cornfield or whatever. <laughs> but if they could have, they would have shown that. They're dead. Yeah, they're dead. <laughs> both of those kids are dead, period, was Brandon's <laughs> statement. <laughs> Cortland, do you want to trade Brandon's? No. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not gonna lie, I really like uh, your Brandon's voice. I think he sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> okay, weird, but <laughs> what a weird episode, though. Gotta say, weird. Yeah, just a a tiny bit peculiar. It's been a while since I've seen like a cohesive, you know, twenty plus minute story like this was, where there was like twenty instances of the logic falling apart. And mm-hmm. I get that it's a kids show <laughs> in the '90s on Nickelodeon, but still, like, Spongebob that we've talked about has had more, like, natural story logic and flow to their episodes than this did. It's just all over the place. The characters mm-hmm. were weak. The character development was weak. Yeah. And I would loved watching it, but not because it was, like, good, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I won't forget it soon. <laughs> it's, it will stay with me. I wouldn't say that this is one of those episodes that people are like, oh, are you afraid of the dark? There's that one episode with the courtroom. <laughs> no, I, I I forgot all about this episode. I don't even recall if I saw drama this originally. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I seen a little bit of this when it was on TV once. Um, because I think I remember the judge, but it was so vague that like it didn't actually make it to my long term memories. I don't think. Um, Mm-mm. and I don't know if it will this time either. So. <laughs> Back at the Midnight Society, Quinn says, the end. And Megan, Vange, and Tucker think that that shit was awesome. And Tucker says that he's impressed. From behind the couch, a stick with a white cloth on it raises up. And it starts waving. And Quinn's all, he's here? And Andy sits up from behind the couch saying, hi. And Quinn jumps up saying, you are history. And Tucker gets between Quinn and Andy saying, easy. As Quinn yells about how he's got two weeks of detention because of that meatball Andy. And Andy's all, wait, wait. I called your mom and told her what happened. She called the principal and got him another note. You're off the hook. And Quinn's all, yeah. And Megan says, I think the word's thanks. And Quinn says, yeah, well, um, you told my mom I forged your name. Are you bent? And Andy runs away. Quinn follows. And then Megan and Vange follow. Tucker dumps the water on the fire, runs after them too. And that's the end of the episode. Are you bent? Are you guys bent? What was he mad about there at the end? I was confused. He was mad that. He was mad that Andy called his mom to tell her that he forged a note. Uh, with her signature or something. So now he's off the hook at school, but now he's in trouble at home. Yes. Well, Quinn deserves to be in trouble. Yeah, he does. Okay. As long as we're on the same page there. <laughs> yeah, so that's the episode. I um, I think that the moral for this story is very clearly don't steal or you're going to die. There is that. Uh, not just die, but have be beheaded in a cult. Uh, but yeah. I think uh, the other lesson is to not rat out your friends, right? 
Mm. Maybe there's a better way to say it, you know. Be honest. Friends stick together, all that. Be honest, yeah. There's a couple lessons they're trying to to cram in in one little episode. I feel like this is the the second episode in a row now where the main focus of the episode is the moral of the story. Because the last episode was um, hunting is bad, don't kill animals. Yeah. And then this one is don't steal, don't be a jerk. Um, Mm -hmm. Really beating you over the head with these ones. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, uh, it was not subtle. Mm -mm. Well... The Tale of the Wisdom Glass. I think we could probably come up with a better name than that. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a shit name. It's shit. It's a shit name. <laughs> I think what would be better is The Tale of the Wisdom Game. No, mm-hmm. that's shit too. <laughs> <laughs> How about The Tale of the Hilarious Jester? Uh, no, nope. not that shit. <laughs> How about um, The Tale of Shattered Wisdom? Oh, snap. That gives away the whole... The <laughs> story yeah yeah but i don't know our nine-year-old's thinking too deep about the story no one is the tale of trevor <laughs> the tale of trevor yeah that's your idea that's way like worse than the original <laughs> <laughs> if the i heard trevor. the tale of trevor's coming up i'm changing <laughs> the channel hey fine how about the tale of trevor and the rich white kid there you go. Now right. we something. had Jake and the now Leprechaun. We had Jake the Snake. Now we got Trevor and the White Kid. Trevor and the White Kid. <laughs> <laughs> the tale of objection. The tale of beheaded children. I don't know. <laughs> tale of Game City. Game City. Now that's a good oh, one. Oh, Game City. <laughs> what happens in Game City stays in Game City, baby. Mm-hmm. How about just the tale of Phil? Tale of Phil. Let's go with the that. store manager. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> He's the biggest victim in all of this. Yeah. He lost like $30, $40 in profit. And got kidnapped. <laughs> and got kidnapped and with an unknown fate. Probably yeah. got beheaded too. Probably. He should did. have been the watermelon. <laughs> they can't have witnesses. Yeah, exactly. They can't let him go. He knows too much. No, this is a straight cult. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, Brandon and Nick, you guys, do you want to know what's uh, coming up next? What's next? I'm dying to know. So up next is season six, episode nine, The Tale of the Walking Shadow. Okay. Now that sounds like an Are You Afraid of the Dark title. It does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, What is it? Walking Shadow? Yeah. I think it's going to be Peter Pan shit. You think the shadow's got a mind of its own? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's just walking and they're like, my shadow's walking too. And then they <laughs> yeah. stop my shadow's and the shadow keeps everywhere. going. Like, oh, fuck. Just out of nowhere. Yep. <laughs> Guys, this this guy keeps following me. He follows me everywhere, and they're all concerned, and then they see he's talking about his shadow, and they're like, okay. And they're like, oh, fuck off, kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. I'm probably going to watch it now. You guys have got me on a <laughs> Are You Afraid of the Dark kick. Ooh, you know what? It looks like Jay Baruchel's in this episode, too. Again? Yeah. <gasps> oh, Brandon. It's crazy about Baruchel. You know who else is in it? Who? fucking hooper piccolero oh damn yeah it's gonna be great i can't wait who do you think is gonna tell the tale of the walking shadow this is i think well, i accidentally spoiled it for myself because oh. i'm looking on wikipedia well so. stop it don't say it. yeah i'll stop <laughs> i think it's probably gonna be megan or maybe tucker i don't know is megan the only girl still there no we got vange too although i don't know oh, if okay. that's a girl's name <laughs> nope I don't think I've ever heard of anyone named that besides this show. Mm-mm, me neither. Do you want to know what this episode has on IMDb for its rating? <sighs> yes. Yeah. I'm going to guess an 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4. 8.4.
Very close. An 8.1 out of 10 with 470 what? reviews. Yeah. No right? way. Oh, what, so this episode is going to be garbage. The, what did the Wisdom Glass have? The Wisdom Glass had a 3.5. Okay. <laughs> that makes me feel better. It's like, are they, are they rating them all this high? No. Okay. 3.5 sounds good, but 8.4. What did you, or what was it for the other one? Walking Shadow? Walking Shadow at an 8.1. That's high. The episodes range from 3.1 to like in the eights. So we find there was an episode called The Tale of the Misfortune Cookie, which was complete shit. And that was rated a 7.9 right now. So I think it was at an 8 point something when we first looked it up. Um, And that episode was garbage. So the people that are rating these episodes for season six and probably season seven are those fans that are like, this isn't the show that I grew up on. This is stupid. <laughs> so you really perfected that that complainy kid voice there. Yeah, I sit in the front of a mirror and just practice all day. <laughs> all right. Hey, I respect it. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, man. Hey, we're in the podcasting game, boys. We gotta get our voices perfect. Exactly. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. Where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, you can find me and my co-host slash sidekick host Brandon on the 10-ish podcast. That's 10ish podcast. We are on every single podcast platform, or you can just go to 10ishpod.com and we release a new episode covering a new top 10-ish list every single Wednesday. Awesome. I love it. I love your show, like I said in the beginning. Mm-hmm. appreciate it i totally love your show i'm always happy to listen to it happy to support it and everything you guys do great work thank, thank you so you. much again for uh joining us for the show i i was looking forward to inviting you for quite some time but i was just like oh he's so big now he's gonna be like fuck you <laughs> uh well uh i'm never too big to help the little people out so thank you for having me on and uh would love to come on again someday although i would love to come on not at seven in the morning on a saturday but uh, yeah that's actually the real reason why i haven't been asking you because i was like he's not gonna want to do this too early but hey Uh, we made it work yeah it was a lot of fun really happy to be on the show yeah happy to dive back into uh one of my favorite shows from my childhood well thank you so much well, I know Brandon has literally been up all night. I'm probably going to go take a nap. Um, thanks again, Nick. Um, I'll mm-hmm. yeah, talk to you next you. week, Brandon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you. See you guys. Bye.